0: You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans, for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion My name is Kyle Loomis, back again to talk about another Auburn Tigers victory. This time over the Mississippi State Bulldogs, a rematch, second game of the season against the Bulldogs from Starkville. They win by the score of 80-75 in Auburn Arena. We're going to talk about all the news, the events, and the storylines from this game. And to do that, I'm happy to welcome back my friend, co-host, and Auburn, and the Auburn Uniform Database guy. I messed your little, your little uh, line there at the beginning, up, but hey, it's Clint Richardson. He's back. Glad to talk basketball with you.
1: Yeah, beats, beats all the other issues I've got going on.
0: <laughs> I would give you like a segment here to just kind of lament about it and have a little cathartic segment, but that would just take too long with your saga of stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, February wasn't fun. And March isn't starting out well either. But hey, March can only get better. How about that? Especially Let's hope so. Especially if the Tigers, you know, do some real really big magic in March. So we'll see about that. Um before we get to postseason play and discussion, we've got to finish out the regular season. And we did so today by beating the Bulldogs by the score of eighty to seventy-five. Our record now stands at twenty. 20- and nine on the year in the SEC, a nine and seven record. Let's start right here, Clint. I know that we wanted something better than a 20 and nine season, thus point in the season, but how cool is it that we're actually talking about back to back years with 20 wins for the Auburn Tigers that we went through a decade of that not even being a reality?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. And this is, you know, the first time that Auburn has had, bat-to-bat 21 seasons since the 1999 and 2000 years which were both just magical seasons that will forever live on in Auburn basketball infamy and you know getting upwards to a number two ranking in the country getting a number one seed in the tournament and, and playing you know very very deep into the tournament so I don't I don't know if these two teams will live up to that kind of standard, but it's nice to be able to have that discussion now.
0: But even if you they don't live up to the standard of 99-2000, you've got to think about everything in context here and how far that they've come to be to the level that they're at the, this past two seasons. They surprised everybody last year. And, and I think there is some room for discussion about a little bit of a letdown and disappointment in some areas here. But let's think back to season preview, Clint. You and I both were reminding folks of how strong the SEC was going to be this year. And the fact that Auburn is not below 500 in SEC record, I think is a miracle in and of itself.
1: Yeah, this this has been a really tough conference this year. And, and you just see the depth of the SEC in every sport, really. Football is tough. Basketball is already tough. Uh, women's basketball is tough. I mean, they're talking about, the Tennessee Lady Volunteers missing the tournament for the first time ever I think and baseball is going to be real tough coming up soon so for Auburn to come into the season with the target on their back and you know not not lose everything and you know Auburn wasn't going to stay in line with Tennessee or Kentucky but LSU came and surprised everybody and those are the only 3 teams that even have double digit wins In conference at this point, and it drops off from Kentucky's 13 to like a group of what, four, five teams that only have nine victories. So there's that tier one to tier two list is already. It's a pretty decent gap at this point.
0: It is. And, you know, it's it's a bit of a surprise, on the issue, like you already talked about. Nobody's going to touch Tennessee and Kentucky at this point. It, it's pretty much I think it's actually a pretty much done deal now that Tennessee is going to win the conference outright. I mean, we can play spoiler a little bit here with a game against Tennessee coming up. You know, I'm hopeful. I'm the optimist here on the podcast. I don't know how <laughs> it's going to go, uh, but we'll see. Uh, but before we get into all that stuff, let's talk more about this game. In general, I think a lot of Tiger fans were not feeling very hopeful with Mississippi State, even coming to town against Auburn Arena. It's it's a Ben Howland coach team, so you know they're going to be really good. They kind of put it to us in Starkville. Uh, they shot really well last time and, and pretty much shot in step with us, which is what gave them the victory. They played at our game and beat us at it. This time, however, you saw Auburn get out ahead, and for the most part, just keep a very decent lead on them throughout the rest of the game, and it just was never enough of a run that Mississippi State could mount to get back in this game. So I felt like for most of the game, Auburn was in control.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Auburn just got out to the lead and and kept it at bay, and and State really couldn't do a whole lot. I mean, Auburn had a 19-point lead towards the end of the second half, and unfortunately, just kind of took their foot off the gas and let the Bulldogs come back and make a game out of it late.
0: Well, here's the other side of that, too. Yes, we could have taken our foot off the pedal, so to speak, and I think that was the case a little bit. But I think you got to give some credit to Mississippi State as well and how deadly they can be at times, because they went the entire game just not shooting that great. They'd have a few (laughs) shots here and there that would keep it from getting out of hand, but Not until the game counted did they mount the run that they really needed, just knocking down three after three after three with hands in their face. And they got a couple of helpful fouls, but also they drew fouls, and that's what they needed to do to get back in this game. So it goes to Coach Howland and how well he has these guys prepared for these type of situations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, they were able to draw fouls at many different points in the second half, and there weren't many fouls called in the first half of this game whatsoever. I think Auburn reached the bonus with like 15 seconds left or something like that. Right. Um, And then in the second half, um, Mississippi state was able to shoot 20 of their 25 free throws. So that seemed like just the game kind of transitioned to that kind of play in the second half. And, you know, let's, let's be honest, Mississippi state kind of, kind of beat Auburn at their own game at, in certain parts of the game, game, but you know, thankfully Auburn was able to pull that one out.
0: Well, looking at personal fouls and how they're spread out across both teams, 19 personal fouls for Mississippi State, 16 personal fouls for Auburn. I did get the sense that there was a very, uh, how do I put this, not a loose game, but a very generous game called in the first half, and I liked that. You saw the referees not dictating the pace of the game and let the players make the plays, and affect the outcome of the game. So I had a great time in the first half. Second half, it was a little bit kind of, you know, there's another foul. Whether it was right or wrong, there's another foul here. And, of course, at the very end of the game, you know, it always slows down a little bit. But for the most part tonight, I thought this was a very well-officiated game at times. It's never perfect. Let's, (laughs) Let's talk about the Weatherspoon boys from Mississippi State. Now, there's one missing, Nick. From what I understand, sitting out for some team violations is what it is, Clint?
1: I think that's the case.
0: Who knows what that means? You know, there's always rumors out there. We won't speculate on those, so to speak. Now, Nick's not the one that you necessarily have to worry about, but when they're together and when Quinn Derry, his brother's out there and they are just, they're hard to stop together, but Quinn Derry himself, he's just a great player.
1: Gosh, he's he's so good, and you know he finished the game with 25 points and and 11 rebounds and played 38 of the 40 minutes like he is the lifeblood of this team and he is it's another one of those guys of if you weren't playing my team I would so love watching you play.
0: Well here's the other thing too. I think isn't he on first team SEC expectations right now with on that crew?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
0: I thought so as well, but Here's the thing. We see this time and time again with teams where they're built around one player. And, yes, that player may go off 25 points for Weatherspoon. Now, Carter had 21 as well, but the next highest scorer only has 10. You've got two players who didn't score at all. One of your bigs, do zero points in the night. So this is a team not set up well to face suspensions, injuries, much like Auburn for some part of the year. One guy goes down it really does affect the way they play and how successful they can be.
1: Yeah, it it sure does. And you really see how that kind of happens with with Auburn, with Austin Wiley out the last couple of games, with Daniel Purifoy still not playing to how he has, and then even the last game with um, Malik Dunbar sitting out with another injury. So, you know, these seasons are long. And a lot of these guys play a lot of minutes. Um, I mean, Jared and Bryce have been playing 35, 36, 37 minutes almost every single game. So you, know, you, you get tired, your legs get tired, and <laughs> I mean, it's it's a long season, and injuries are, are bound to build up.
0: Well, you brought it up, so we'll go ahead and talk about it. Malik Dunbar is back in this game, and he jumps right back into the starting role. From what I understand, him sitting out in the last game was kind of a game-time decision, where a trainer said to Coach Pearl, you know, he can play, but he probably shouldn't. And I think at this point in the season where you're not playing for a championship, you do have to make those type of decisions where a guy that you clearly made the decision, he is the best option for us in the starting role. You need to make sure that he's good to go for the postseason. So I I tend to agree with that decision by Coach Pearl. Uh, We still got the win out of it. But you can't deny what we gained from having Malik Dunbar out there. And in a starting role, yes, it's only six points, but the energy he provides is just immeasurable.
1: I mean, and he had a better stat line in only 17 minutes than he did you know, a couple of games the rest of the season. And hes we've talked about it many times. He's not going to make the biggest impact on the stat sheet. It's just not the way he is. But what he brings to the team is always going to be Just very beneficial, and Auburn is going to just feed off of number four's energy.
0: Well, and here's the other thing, too look at Samir Dowdy's numbers compared to his. Samir gets 23 playing minutes tonight, Dunbar only gets 17. That doesn't necessarily dictate that you should be a starter, the amount of minutes you're playing, but it means what you bring, what your role is on the team. Samir is a great defender and at times a great passer he's got a lot of skills. I think where he's most honed is his defensive thing. And I think that's where you see him most valuable is when we need a little bit extra defensive play where you need the energy, the hype at the beginning. That's where Malik is at his best and why you see him starting the game. Now for Auburn here, I want to talk about a second player that I was very impressed with tonight. Only 10 points. Jared Harper. I thought was, if I want to say there's a key to the game, I think he was a key to the game and what he provided tonight what did you think about his play
1: I mean this is the kind of point guard play that you really need out of Jared Harper you know, he goes over sits beyond the three-point line which is just not how he's been playing lately but you know perfect sits or sits at the charity stripe and gets nine assists on the night and didn't have a single turnover so those are just the kind of numbers you want out of him he is facilitating the ball getting the ball to guys when they're open and ready to shoot and not making mistakes and, and turning the ball over like he's had, like he's been prone to a couple of times this year.
0: Hey, I will take zero from six from beyond three-point arc if you'll give me six for six from the free throw line <laughs> any day. Those are gimmies. You should be 100% from that. And I'm glad that he was able to take care of the little things like that. I can forgive him for zero percent from three-point land for this game. I really did think that he had an excellent game tonight because he was just so disruptive. In the article that I wrote, Three Point Thoughts that I do after the games, I called him a point creator rather than a point scorer because he creates opportunities and points for other players, which in turn makes them more deadly and in turn makes him more open to score his own points. I think that's why you saw Auburn have so much success throughout the night. Is like you said, him creating... Lanes for him to run through and then dish it out. Throw up alley-oops, even though a couple of them were pretty errant tonight. He at least had the chance to. I loved the way Harper played tonight. Give me 10 points and 9 assists from him any day, and I think this team is going to be very successful when it gets to postseason.
1: I would definitely agree with that.
0: Looking at some of the other team stats tonight, Auburn scored 47% from the field, 43 from beyond the three-point arc, and then, you know I love it, 83% from the free-throw line that's Auburn, a good
1: number we haven't seen much
0: they they took care of a lot of the small things tonight I felt like uh turnovers tonight only 10 for Auburn to uh Mississippi State's 18 I think you really saw the jungle play a factor uh tonight in Mississippi State they weren't prepared for what they were going to run into with that student section
1: yeah the jungle is definitely always going to be a fantastic home court advantage and you know Auburn had 20 points off of state's 18 turnovers whereas state only had nine off of Auburn's 10 so you know if you win each of these kind of categories it's always going to just be a good key to the game
0: here's something I'm just noticing in the stat line tonight Clint take a look at that total rebound margin there does that strike you as a little bit of a discrepancy
1: yeah, I saw that too. And uh, 41 for State, 21 for Auburn. And, you know, I think if you want to take it a little bit further, go check out second chance points. State had 13. Auburn didn't have a single one. And I think I saw on Twitter by one of the beat writers around or right at halftime that that number was like two to nothing, that <clears throat> these teams were playing at just a different style. They, you know, kind of a, a run and gun, one and done kind of thing. Of you know, get get a good shot up, but that's it. Get back on defense. And both teams were playing to that style for much of this game, and that's why I think you know Auburn's rebound number isn't great, and that's why neither team has great second chance points numbers.
0: I think it's really interesting when you have a twenty uh, rebound differential there that the other team doesn't a win but win by such a larger margin here. That's just, it's really strange to me. And most of it comes from the offensive rebounds 14 for Mississippi state and one for Auburn. That really just goes to size. And yes, we've seen a smaller Auburn squad out rebound teams at times with their tenacity. I mean, Lord knows we talked about Deshaun Murray, just owning the bigs on other teams all last year. I really do see in moments like this where we're missing someone like Deshaun Murray.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um you know, they kinda of talked about that during the Georgia Game broadcast on how Deshaun's size and innate ability to just grab rebounds is is really missing, especially on top of uh, you know, somebody like Mustafa Heron's shooting ability. You know, there's there's definitely some pieces missing to this puzzle right now and, and you gotta hope and fully expect that the coaching staff recognizes that and and has a plan to relieve it next season.
0: So if I had told you that Anthony McLemore was going to be our best, uh, besides Bryce Brown, I mean, that's just kind of a given at this point, but our best other three point option, would you have laughed at me?
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Four for six from behind the three point arc, uh, man, his shot looked pretty tonight and he was rewarded with it. I mean, he just, it seems like we go to him early in the game just to get him going. And Part of me is frustrated by that, seeing a bigger guy like him take a three-point shot. But when you can make it, that just puts the defense on edge a little bit the rest of the game. It's like, okay, well, when this guy's out there, we've got to actually step out and get him. So I can see what's going on with Bruce Pearl. But I think you and I would agree, and for most Auburn fans, it makes us a little nervous when we see Anthony out there shooting more than two or three a game.
1: Yeah, it's it's not ideal to me. But ever since Coach Pearl and... Simeon Bowers came to campus they've always said Bruce just gives them the green light to let them do just about anything they want to on the court and especially in terms of uh, shooting the lawn balls. so I know Anthony has worked really hard on his three-point shot and it's not been great many games but I feel like he like you said he is kind of a guy that you get him started early it's a deadly weapon but I think it's the opposite as well. He's not going to be like Bryce or Jared and and have that ability to shoot himself out of, out of a slump or a, or a bad shot for the night.
0: No, it's definitely a double edged sword. Uh, Thankfully it's usually ended up on the good side of that sword for Auburn at times. And that was the case tonight. Um, Since we're going through some of the individual play here, and we've already mentioned him once, Daniel Purifoy is still trying to work his way back into his role in this team. I'll be honest, tonight I was a little bit more impressed with his few minutes, which were only nine for him. Uh, he had one turnover, he had one personal foul, only got three points on the night, which was a behind the arc. And we saw that on a dish out to him out there in the corner, which he knocked down beautifully. I think the thing that I took away most from his play was one play right after that made shot, where there was a fast break and he had the decision to continue to drive in and potentially draw a foul and get get a basket or go to the free throw line, but instead dishes it out to Bryce Brown. <clears throat> Unselfishly, he takes the shot and gets fouled for three free throws. To me, that displayed how he's at least grown in his mental capacity of the game and unselfishness. And I thought that was a great sign for Daniel Pirafoy.
1: Hey, I'm good with that I mean, when he got, you know, the starting role two years ago, he was at times, a pretty selfish player, and I really, this is such a conundrum to me, and it would be a great case study for any amount of reasons, but he just doesn't look the part anymore. He looks, to, to put it bluntly, he looks awkward on the court at times, especially with the ball in his hands, and I cannot figure out why that is. If it's mental, is if it's physical, or, or just that role that he's playing now, but he doesn't look like the same Purifoy from a couple of years ago. But I, I want to throw, I want to talk about this one play from Javon McCormick. <laughs> doesn't, he hasn't gotten a whole lot of minutes lately. Only had eight minutes uh, tonight. Didn't make a shot, but gave up one turnover, but he wasn't going to let anything happen to it. It He got beat bad and just, kept up with it, actually left the ground before the Bulldog shooter did and threw that ball off the bat board and said, not in my house. And it was these are the plays that aren't really going to show up in the stat sheet, but that hustle, that fight, that not in my house kind of attitude is how you win me over as a player personally. And I know that it speaks well to the coaching staff. And so Javon McCormick Gosh, I love that
0: play. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, we talk about Adanjo Purifoy still struggling a little bit. We saw. We talk about the lack of minutes for McCormick. Or we talk about somebody not shooting well. From starters to bench players, those who play significant minutes, and, and, and for anybody on the team, I'll say this too, I don't think we'll ever be able to say this season that they haven't given their best effort and try. Have they sometimes got a little bit lackadaisical? Have they sometimes, you know, not played the most smart ways? Yes. Everyone does, but I have not seen an ounce of quit or a lack or willingness to fight out of these guys' this entire season, and I think that's what's kept this season from going off the rails at times where it could have been a lot worse, you know, a, a lot a Barbie era. I was, about, I was struggling to get that word out of my mouth, uh, <laughs> but I think you, what you brought up, that tenacity – that willingness to never give up is what is keeping this team afloat and has the potential to get back to form like that we saw at the early part of the season.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, we, like you said, this team has had many opportunities to just fall up the rails. And I know there's a lot of frustration with coach Pearl and, and the way that some things have gone this season, but I think probably the best job that he's done all year long is keep this team Engaged and bought in. I mean, this isn't the best year in the world, but this is still a 20 win Auburn basketball team. And <clears throat> I mean, for, for this chicken little skies falling kind of fans, like, what else do you want? I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course we all want the rings. We all want the championships and we all want to be the number one seed in the world. Of course. But I mean, again, this is Auburn basketball. We haven't seen success since. You know, 2003.
0: What I'm about to say, I say acknowledging that I am susceptible to this too. But we as a fan base don't know how to handle success as well because we're not one of those programs in any sport, unless you talk about equestrian, that just maintains excellence the entire time. You know, we haven't been there before in so many years. So when it happens, we're kind of expecting, no, we should be there the rest of the time. You know, it's usually not as... Leveled off of a su- success for most teams that it has been for Alabama. I mean, there's reasons for that. I mean, cheaters, but
1: <laughs> uh, wow. Did I
0: say that That's... on the show? <laughs>
1: but, yeah, you did. Uh, you got to. Do you have a a buzzer that uh, you can put in?
0: I'm proud of what I just said. There, we'll leave it. <laughs> in. Okay. But okay. anyway, you know, it, it it is what you know. You you got to sometimes just take a step back and realize that it's not as bad as it seems. That sometimes we we might get a little spoiled, and I say that about myself. Regardless of that, though, a 20 win season has the potential to be 21 in the next game this Tuesday and it's going to be a good one because it's another rematch game for the season this time against our old arch foes the Alabama Crimson Tide. I can't even say it it's such a cuss word Alabama Crimson Tide
1: we're going okay, there's your bu- there's your buzzer there's your buzzer
0: <laughs> we're going who call uh pan i can't even say their their arena tonight it's just it's like choking me up Coleman Coliseum. I think you call it the airplane hangar or something like that, just it's, because it's it, it's yeah, not a it's, good one.
1: It's not a pretty arena, and you know I think it was this off season, if not before, that Alabama announced plans to renovate the arena. And man, it looks awfully similar to to the little brother's
0: uh, arena. You know, it's, it's funny that they, they talk about us not wanting to, you know, be like them and all that kind of stuff. But every turn we we see them, you know, taking away seats to put in the Jumbotron, remodeling their basketball arena to be us, trying to get an equestrian program. I mean, it's, it's, it's slightly ironic, I think, that they kind of want to be like us. However, uh, with this rematch here, this is the game where the Iron Bowl victor gets to, you know, do their little song and dance and, you know, uh, su- surprisingly our sga president finds a way to get there, rain sleet or snow um so i don't think we're going to have a storyline that i hope of course i've said that now and they're probably going to have something happen to not be able to be there so they're your fault it's always all my fault you should know this by now there is that element here clint that they're going to be excited it's going to be packed for them to see the um the trophy for the iron bowl to celebrate that win do you really think that the crowd there is going to stay around and be excited for this game? Or do you think they're just kind of showing up for halftime and then leave? Uh,
1: we've seen this year in and year out over there that they're a halftime crowd. <laughs> they're not going to stay much longer.
0: Yeah, it, it, I don't expect it to play much of a role outside of the first half, especially, and here's the key, if Auburn does what they've done against Georgia, against Mississippi State these last two games, and gets a A comfortable cushion. I'm not talking double digits, but a cushion they can just kind of maintain. That's going to wear away at that crowd, and I think at that point, this becomes a game that's very, very winnable for Auburn. Yes, Alabama has the size. They've still got Dante Hall. they still got Riley Norris, who, for whatever reason, hasn't made that much noise this year. They've got the talent on this team. Or graduated. Uh, Has he graduated now? No, I
1: don't think so, but he's... (laughs) This this is the Trey Smith syndrome kind of player, and,
0: and I feel like he's been there forever. You just can't get rid of him. It's kind of – what's the guy I tried – Michael Carrera, who seems yep, to be your, there. your favorite. Oh, my goodness. I'm just getting nightmares thinking about him. That, that <laughs> man should not be able to play basketball. It's not possible. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We are talking about Alabama. Uh, they're coming off a loss to LSU, so you got to definitely think that's playing into their case a little bit of this game, that that was kind of one of their bigger games, a chance to upset somebody. And the other coin there, other side of that coin, Auburn's got Tennessee, the big game we've had circled the entire year. Who do you think going into this game is going to be a little bit more distracted? Auburn with the big game coming up or Alabama coming off the big loss?
1: I don't I don't think either of them, honestly. Um, I think the, these rivalry games, you can't look past. Um, the, these are always big matchups. It's bragging rights. You've got... You know, guys on each team that played together or or against each other in the past, and you know, there's there's so much involved with these games that you can't look past them whatsoever. Um, I know there was kind of a discussion of you know, we were hoping that Alabama would have beaten LSU today in hopes that they wouldn't be pissed off and looking for a rebound game against Auburn, but. I'm under the impression that it's never a bad day when Alabama loses
0: well yeah I mean we never really want to see them win I mean they, I'll tell you this much there's been one time that I pulled for an Alabama program and they let me down because they needed it was to help Auburn so I've, I'll never pull for them again um, and I can't even believe it I did at that time so regardless you, can, you, make, you make me sick I'm sorry I know I've disappointed you so many times in our friendship and it's probably going to continue <laughs> to happen but
1: you have, you have no idea <laughs>
0: No matter which way you want to slice this, who's got the advantage here? The fact is Auburn dominated Alabama the last time they saw them. Uh, I believe the score was about 84 to 63. Yes, that's what it was in Auburn Arena. You got to think it's not going to be that bad if Auburn wins again. But if they are able to play their game against this Alabama team again and maintain it throughout the majority of the game, I think the Tigers come out on top and will be heading into a very exciting last game this season with a chance. To play um, for that fourth spot in the uh, double bye for the SC tournament, I do. We're kind of running out of time, but I do want to mention that here. What are you? How confident are you feeling about us getting that fourth spot for the double bye?
1: Um, I think there's a really good chance. I wouldn't. I'm glad that it's not entirely on Auburn because I don't have that much faith in the team currently. <laughs> but you know, when you've got Florida right ahead of you, and they just lost to Georgia, and they've got. I think Tennessee and Kentucky, is that what we said that they have remaining? Yes. And that's, that's really tough. Um, I think Mississippi State also has Tennessee remaining and one other game. So there's, <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of fight for that last spot, but I think Auburn is in a pretty decent spot for it. And, right. you know, it's, <clears throat> I don't know. Auburn got the, the bye last year and it didn't go very well. So who knows? It's I think Oliver could deserve a, a, really could use an extra day off at this point this season.
0: That's the biggest concern for me is that guys like Bryce Brown, Jared Harper need time off, and that's why I think it's very important for us to do our best to get that last spot. If for nothing else, I think that's what we need. My impression of it is this, and you and I discussed this a little bit before we hit record tonight. Florida, I don't see really at with the loss to Georgia and us having the tiebreaker over them. I don't really see them being the reason we get, don't get that fourth spot. South Carolina, they did beat us. I just don't see them finishing out, even though they probably got the easier schedule going forward. Ole Miss and Mississippi State both have either Kentucky or Tennessee, just like us. I really do think it comes down to this. Mississippi State and Auburn both play Tennessee to end the sea- season. Which one of them beats Tennessee is, I think, the one that gets the fourth spot. Tall task to order here. <laughs> But it's doable, especially with Auburn having an an, in Auburn arena. So we're going to be excited this next uh, the final week of SEC play going forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fun end to the season.
0: It's one we've been looking forward to for a long time, and I'm sure it's going to measure up to be a good one. Before we get out of here, Clint, let's give our contact information. You can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at auburnuniforms.com.
0: That's all we have for you in this edition of Inside the Jungle. But until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.